Thank you for tuning in to Narda Goodson Ministries Teaching Broadcast. I am Narda Goodson, your host, and today I have a word from the Lord. And this word will transform your life if you apply the principles of God's word through faith and obedience. Good evening, everyone. And uh, I just want to say that tonight I do have a word. Amen. And we are living in perilous times. And uh, we must be still, we must watch, and we must be praying. Amen. And tonight, as I share this word of the Lord, my prayer is that it will fall on good ground. Amen. And, and that it will take root in the hearts of, your, of, of the people, and it will produce much fruit. Amen. And if I was to give this title, uh, uh, message a title, it is, Where is Your Midnight Oil? Where is your midnight oil? And today I'd like us to probe into the lives of the well-known parable of the ten virgins. And this parable is especially appropriate because the month of May is known to be one of the most favorite wedding months uh, of choice, you know. A reading from Matthew 25, verses 1 through 6. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be compared to ten maidens who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. But at midnight there was a cry. Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Father, I thank you for your words. I thank you for your, your written word. I thank you for your rainbow word, your logos. It is spirit and it is life. And so I thank you even now that you touch these lips of clay. Speak Holy Spirit and touch the lives of your people. Save, deliver, and set free your people tonight in Yeshua's name. Amen and amen. Well, in the wedding that we that is referred to here in Matthew 25, we find that the parable focuses its attention on an absent bridegroom and those who are, are waiting for the bridegroom to appear. And this is because uh, Eastern wedding customs are different than, than what we know in our familiar Western culture. In the East, the bridegroom is the important figure. Uh, because one of the things that he, he does pay for all the expenses of the wedding. Amen. But this parable highlights the experience of 10 young virgins or maidens who were waiting for the coming of the bridegroom. And there may be some ladies, ladies in waiting who are locked and tuned in today who say, well, you know, evangelists, and I've been waiting for a, for a bridegroom for a long time, but no one has appeared yet. But these maidens, they were waiting in a quite different sense than some of you may have pictured in your mind. Eastern weddings were typically always held at night and in the autumn where the, you know, the nights were cool. And I believe in many areas, this is still the norm. This is still the customs. And, and you know, the, the wedding festivities can last from five to seven days. Now, that's a party, right? <laughs> Oh, we think of the weddings we've been to, you know, one night and you get home and, and you're exhausted. Imagine five to seven days, a whole week. 
Well, the party continued with dancing. It will continue with food and music and, and merriment and anticipation for the bridal party to arrive. When the bride, uh, bridegroom finally made his appearance to get his bride, they would travel through the town, and at different corners, there would be, like, you know, these different types of groups, pe different people waiting to join the wedding party as they made their way toward the site of the wedding. So it was a big celebration. So talk about a party line. This was it, folks. And this, this is the picture the Lord is given to us here in this parable. Here are 10 young girls waiting to join the wedding party. They are expecting the bridegroom to appear, and they are waiting excitedly. And this parable obviously is intended to describe uh, us as, as we, too, are expectantly waiting for the bridegroom to appear. When Yeshua was projecting this parable to his disciples, he knew that he was going away and that there was going to be an intervening period of time before his return again. And so this parable, uh, through this parable, he is describing and conveying to us his instructions and his command to watch. Matthew 25, 13 says, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when your Lord comes. And watching for his return involves action. This means we must have an understanding and be willing to obey the Lord, you know, to, to obey his word. We are to feast upon his word while we are waiting. And if we're not careful, it is so easy to become consumed with, you know, worldly affairs. We can easily lose our biblical perspective, you know, to why God placed us here in the first place. The believers, you know, we're not citizens of planet Earth. We really aren't. We are just passing through. We are citizens of heaven. We are sojourning. We are, another word for sojourning is visiting, vacationing on Earth. We are pilgrims passing through this foreign country. Philippians 3 and verse 20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself, glory to God. Once we have been converted and exposed to the truth that, that we were created by the creator God and for his pleasure, we must not conform and become used to this place here. Second Corinthians 5.20 says it best. And, and, and he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. And it says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Yeshua. As though God were making his appeal through us. Now listen, we implore you on behalf of the Messiah, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So this then becomes our message. It becomes our mandate, our mission to propagate the kingdom of heaven on the earth, to shine like stars on the earth and proclaim the gospel of reconciliation. Amen. And while we live here, all these things that surround us are part of our human life. And they are Abba's way, you know, the Father's way of, of blessing us while we're here. 
But the true reason we are here is to learn how to live and live by the word. And as we lay hold onto eternal life, we, we, we also gain understanding of the power of, of God working in and through our lives in many practical ways. But not until we see the need to feed upon the word, one will never learn to live by the word. And I'm going to say that again. But not until we see the need to feed, hashtag that need to feed upon the word, one will never learn to live by the word. Yeshua declared to us in Matthew 4 and verse 4 that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know, we're not here to uh, demonstrate talents and skills so that we can become the next Hollywood stars. You know, the Bible says we're already stars. If we look at um, Daniel 12 and verse 3, it says, Then the wise shall shine like the brightness of the heaven. And those who lead, now this is so important, those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. Amen. There are so many hidden truths in God's word waiting to be discovered. We must, people of God, learn to excavate, to dig out these nuggets. You know, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 18 talked about there being higher heights and deeper depths to knowing this amazing, omnipotent, omniscient, invisible, triumphant king that we serve. Glory to God. And so here is this the story about 10 girls, 10 maidens, 10 virgin girls waiting for the bridegroom to show up. And within the parable, there are certain clues given to us that reveal the true meaning our Lord is after. So first, let's look at what the 10 virgins had in common. And what the 10 virgins had in common was this. One, they all had lamps. Two, they all had oil. Three, they all slumbered and slept. And four, they all heard the call and arose. Now, let's note the division among the ten. And this is where they fall into two groups. One group, it says five were wise. And the second group, it says five were foolish. So the first question that we are confronted with is, what makes the separation or difference? What, what is the marked distinction that separates them into two groups? Now, remember previously, I just showed you the similarities. They all had lamps. They all had oil. They, all, they, they even all had an expectation, and they all went to sleep. In similar parables, we, we, we see where Yeshua speaks about watching and praying, and he indicates that in his second coming, there's going to be a delay. And, and these, are, these clues are found in phrases like, after a long time. So the Messiah very clearly indicates to us that it would be long before he returned to earth, amen, but he would return again. So while the maidens were waiting for the bridegroom, the ten of them fell asleep, right? We know the story. They fell asleep. Now, in some teachings, I've heard that they should have never slept. And so the ten virgins, uh, their story gets likened to believers who lose focus. You know, they forget about his appearing because they have become consumed by, by life and the cares of the world. And, and, you know, at one point I thought of it this way, too. But here's the deal. There is nothing in the story that indicates that it was wrong for them to fall asleep. 
Because if we think about it, it is perfectly normal. It's a natural thing to do. Remember, they were up all night for the festivities of the special occasions, right? So there was no reason why they would not fall asleep. The body gets tired and it's going to go to sleep. They were waiting for the bridegroom to appear. And when there was a delay, it was only natural, you know, for them to catch a few Z's while they were waiting. And, and I find that Yeshua never places a fault. He never blames, you know, places blames on the maidens because both wise and foolish slept. But, you know, so we must be careful when we're interpreting biblical stories because we can imply things that are not there. Amen? We must see the balance in Scripture because even though we are supposed to remain in a watching disposition, there are the natural and normal things pertaining to this life that we've got to pay attention to. We must faithfully still give um, attention to these things like work, we've got children, uh, there's marriage, and, and various types of responsibilities and activities that, that must continue, it must go on. And they are all part of our human process, which is perfectly normal. But now according to the story, at midnight, there comes a cry, Behold, the bridegroom comes, come it, come out to meet him. And that cry is what immediately plummets us into the rest of the story. And in verse 7 it says, Then all those maidens rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, Perhaps there will not be enough for us and for you. Go rather to the dealers and, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other maidens came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us, open to us. For he replied, Surely I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Now, the crucial evidence that marks the difference between the wise and the foolish lay in the fact that the wise had extra oil. They all had oil to begin with. When they started out, they all had oil. But the Bible records the wise took along an extra supply with them. And this preparation is what made it possible for them to tolerate, you know, to, to endure the unexpected delay of the bridegroom. And this is what the entire parable hangs on. There was, with the wise, an extra hidden supply of oil. There are two things that are made clear by this part of the story. And, and one is that without, without a light, these maidens could not gain entrance into the marriage feast. Without light, there was going to be no admittance, no admittance. There was no entry. You were not getting in. And many times, the light or, or the lamp is used throughout Scripture as a symbol of knowledge and understanding. All ten had, had light. They had clarity about some things. They had some knowledge. But the ones who were considered wise seemed to have a, a deeper, hidden supply of light. Now, let's learn and discern. Let's see how this applies to us today. Everyone listening in today have a certain degree of understanding or light about the return of our Savior, right? 
we who, who, who are walking in the light, um, we have a bit more knowledge and understanding than those who do not understand this truth. We know that there is a beginning to our biblical history, right? The, the coming of the Messiah, his purpose, and the return of the king. We understand that there is an already written end that is on God's timetable. And metaphorically, these maidens all had to have at least some basic knowledge or understanding because they all had lamps, right? And they all had oil and they all had expectancy. They, they all were looking for the bridegroom to appear. The light was supplied through the oil. So an adequate supply of oil was needed, was going to be needed because if not, then their light would not, you know, it was going to go out. But in this story, it is also clear that they could not borrow another supply of oil. And when the bridegroom finally appears, their lights began to flicker due to the lack of oil. And so as the story goes, you know, the foolish said to the wife, give us up your oil for our lights are going out. And, and then you have the wife that responded and said, no, look, you know, if we give you some of ours. We're not going to have enough light for ourselves. So you, better, you guys better go and get some more. But now it was too late. And by the time the foolish returned, the door was shut. And they were met by this word of the Lord. I never knew you. I never knew you. And of course, we all know that weddings are not a place for strangers, right? Because a wedding is an intimate occasion. So when he excludes these five foolish ones, the Lord is revealing to us that we must understand his reason for doing so. And hear me, beloved. He says to them, I never knew you. They were strangers to him. They had never truly become a part of the family of God. So let's understand what rendered them as strangers. Again, the story centers on the matter of the oil. Throughout the scriptures, oil is commonly also used as a type or picture of the Holy Spirit. And the prophet Zechariah in Zechariah 4.6, he was given a vision of two olive trees standing, one on either side of a lampstand. And in the vision, the oil from the olive tree, uh, from the olive trees, it, it was seen dripping into a bowl on top of the lampstand. And this constant flow of the oil is what caused the lamps, you know, in the lampstand to burn. Zechariah was then told that the oil symbolized the Spirit of God. And it was here in Zechariah 4, 6 that the famous verse, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. This is where it's recorded. The oil is a representation of the power of the Holy Spirit, which keeps the light of knowledge and truth burning brightly within the lives of his people. This is also the wisdom that we can glean from this parable, and that it is the ministry of the Holy Spirit that reveals knowledge and truth. And so these two groups of people are very much like the people that are tuned in tonight. We are, we are living in a time where Yeshua's first and, and, and between his first and second coming. We, we are waiting for his appearing. And there is an understanding in one group, and one group is wise. And they are wise because they are carrying an extra supply of oil to meet the darkness that will come. And we must hold dear to the extra flask of oil hidden away inside of us because it is what will keep us anchored and secured.
but there are also some hanging around us. And, and, and these fall into the foolish category because they lack an adequate supply of oil. With going to church week after week, event after event, they have some knowledge and understanding of doctrine. They have a form of godliness, you know. They, they look like they're Christians. They look like they're believers. But they carry no real power and no change or nothing because they are not plugged into the source. You see, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, he's also at work to speak to the minds and hearts of those who are not yet born again. And he has been speaking and even enlightening you to choose, but you have not come to the place of, of full surrender. You have not allowed this truth to officially and permanently grip your heart and your life. But the Bible declares that if you hear his voice today, harden not your heart. Submit to the calling of God because he loves you and desires that you be saved. The foolish took their lamps but took no oil. They were imprudent. They were careless. They were unprepared that when the darkness fell, their lives were immediately filled with fear, with anxiety, uncertainty, alarm. And instead of being armed and alert, they were silly women held by the crisis of darkness that now enveloped and filled their hearts. But the wise, they were cautious and ready. They knew the darkness was approaching and they prepared ahead of time. And what a glorious moment it was. For when the time finally came, they were able to go out and meet the bridegroom with love, with confidence, with trust and excitement. Amen. I want to give us um, a life application. You know, we cannot walk independently and apart from the Holy Spirit and His Word. There's got to be a continual flow, just like that tree that Zechariah saw in the vision that's pouring the oil into the land. We must have a spiritual reservoir outside of ourselves because there's going to be times in our lives, you know, just in our personal lives, just like the lamp, it will reach a burnout, people of God, hear me. So the oil of our hope and dependency must be found. It must be rooted and established in the Word because it will be His Word that will give light and, and, and it will ignite us over and over again and again and again to shine so that we never walk in darkness. The psalmist said, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Hallelujah. How about you? Do you have your extra jar of midnight oil on hand? Because it's going to be the only thing that will help you when the darkness of the midnight hour strikes. Now hear me, beloved. This is the basis for a true life established in Yeshua. The scripture says in Psalms 118 and verse 113, the, the entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. And this is the extra flask of oil hidden away inside of us. And when the hour of testing comes, when the pressure hits, the Bible says that their light will continually shine. It will not go out. And they will hold to the truth because it will continually be maintained and burned within them. Let us watch and let us pray. And this means to know his word, because knowing his word is the first step. And, and, and in, this, in this parable, the Messiah is adding a second element to the caution. He is saying that knowledge of his word must go, the knowledge of his word must go deeper. It must, it must 
go deeper past the surface. It must be a separate, obedient, consecrating, yielding of life and will to the Lordship of the, of the Lord, of the Lord God. And when we do, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us will keep us anchored and steady in the hour of crisis. Are you wise or are you foolish? Father, I thank you for your word. I have delivered your word to your people. I have obeyed your voice. Now I ask that you sanctify them through your truth, for thy word is truth. For only you know the hearts of those tuned in today and those who will hear this message later. You know who are wise and who are foolish. And many, many of us are here congregated together. We are earnestly waiting for the return of our King. We are here because we believe He is coming back according to your word, God. And so tonight, oh God, your word has made it clear that there are some who still do not know you. Those who, they do not have the extra supply of oil. They have doctrine. They have some light, but it is not enough. They still do not know who you are. So tonight we pray that you are in this place to meet those who are willing to come. I pray that everyone will realize their own condition. And if they are not among the wise, that they will correct it tonight, God. I pray that each of us will commit ourselves to the only wise and true God, the one who is alone able to sustain us and keep us from the approaching hour of darkness. And if you are listening in and you want to turn your life over to God, I, I, I plead with you, please call and feel free to call in and we will pray for you in Yeshua's name. Amen and amen. I don't ever want to close this program without extending an invitation to pray for anyone who does not know Yeshua as Lord. You know, John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For he sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Listen, friend, tomorrow is not promised to any of us. And like many traveling through the oceans of life, I know that we all have encountered some kind of challenge. We have all been brutalized and beat down by life. But I want you to know that God the Father loves you and he has a plan for your life. Amen. But it's our sins. Our And what, and what is sin? Sin is our rebellion against God and his word. And that's what keeps us separated from him. But I want you to know Yeshua is calling you. And he's saying, come, come all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, I am the door to the Father. No man can come to the Father in heaven except they come through me. The Bible says that ye must be born again. You see, salvation, forgiveness of sins, and eternal life. These are gifts from God and it's made available to anyone who repents and believes and confesses that Yeshua HaMashiach is Lord and that he died and rose from the dead to save mankind. You see, friend, this gift, it cannot be earned. You cannot work towards this. You cannot buy this by simply being good. It is a matter of faith and trust in a loving Savior. And if this is you today, if you would like to receive Yeshua into your heart, please, please pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, 
I come to you in the name of your son, Yeshua. Your word says, who shall ever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I am calling on you right here and right now. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Wash and cleanse me in your blood. I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord over my life. And according to your word, I now confess with my mouth the Lord Yeshua and believe in my heart that you have raised him from the dead. I confess and declare that Yeshua is Lord of my life. And I thank you for the gift of salvation through the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. And by faith today, I now receive this gift of eternal life. In Yeshua's name, I am saved. Amen and amen. If you have prayed this prayer with your whole heart, friend, I want to welcome you into the family of God. This is the beginning of a new journey, a new you. God has now redirected your ship of life, but you will need discipleship and you will need to be baptized. You need to be with other believers where you can grow and learn more about God and his word. Amen. We would love to connect with you. If you don't have a home church and you live in the Grayson County, North Texas region, I recommend to you God's House of Faith and Worship Center located at 320 North Travis Street in Denison, Texas, and where the Dwight Thomas is senior pastor. And this is a biblically sound and thriving ministry. Please use the contact li links on our social media pages or website to let us know your testimony and how this ministry has influenced your life. To learn more, please visit www.nardagoodson.com. Thank you for tuning in to Narda Goodson Ministries teaching broadcast. I am Narda Goodson, your host. Be sure to tune in next week same time, same place, for another powerful, life-changing, burden-removing, yoke-destroying, anointed Word of God, where Yeshua is Lord, and of His kingdom there shall be no end. Shalom.